0: What if the speed of light was 30 miles an hour? What if Earth had two suns? Which serial mascot would win in a what fight? What if everyone lived underground? What if it on trees? What if, money threw what if trees? pigs could
1: fly? I
2: don't know if that would actually
1: happen. It's much easier to store even a cycle than to store a horse.
0: Hello everybody and welcome to Absurd Hypotheticals, the show sure we overthink dumb questions so you don't have to. I'm your host Marcus Lehner. And I'm joined here today by Chris Yee and Ben Storms. Say hi, guys. Hey, I'm Chris. Hey, I'm Ben. Guys, we are doing um, a fun one today, I think. Um, so this week we are doing a grab bag episode, which is slightly different than our normal episodes. Though we're probably doing half grab bags, half normal questions at this point. Um, but basically we all did our own hypothetical question based around a single theme. And this week's theme is is children's books uh so we each took the premise of a children's book or something in a children's book expanded on that in our own hypothetical question and then uh assumedly kind of went off the rails from there
2: i was a child at one point i should be an expert
0: (laughs) (laughs) i I hope that's like in your notes it's like (laughs) i'm a child joke in there somewhere
2: yeah i used to be a child.
0: I mean, this definitely came up because we're now hitting um, the the niece. Well, we don't, we don't have any kids ourselves yet, but all the, all the nieces, nephews are going around. Um,
2: yeah, there. Are, I mean, there are probably a bunch of children's books I've never heard of ever.
0: Oh, wait, there's there's very many. Yeah, um, I, I also that. like that. Oh,
1: yeah,
0: I also like there's like a trend now of like ironic book like children's books for kids, like nuclear physics for babies or stuff like that. Or uh, my personal favorite is uh, P for Pterodactyl, where it's an alphabet book, but all the letter, all the first letters are silent.
1: <laughs> Amazing.
0: <laughs> and I dig pretty hard to find words with like a silent B in front of it, like. <laughs> um. But uh, why can't you hear a pterodactyl go to the bathroom? Ha,
2: ha, ha, because ha, of yeah. the P is silent. Yeah.
0: All right. All
2: right,
1: enough enough of that. Enough of that. Um, We all
2: hated that joke.
1: Yep, sure did.
2: (laughs) I'm
1: going to go ahead and get us
0: started. Mine is actually, uh, was also the theme of my niece's first birthday party, so near and dear to my heart. uh, I did The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Um, For those of you who don't know, The Very Hungry Caterpillar is a tale about a caterpillar who eats an increasing number of food items throughout a week, until he absolutely gorges himself on a Saturday, then he gets a tummy ache, he eats a leaf on Sunday, and then he cocoons and becomes a butterfly. So, kind of does a bunch of um, escalating eating, and then uh, metamorphosis into a butterfly. Um, but, the little inside joke with my family that I like is, uh, I actually prefer the German version of this story, which is the same, but the name of the book is Die Kleine Raupe Nimmersatt*. Uh, which translates directly to the little caterpillar never full, um, which is a bit more ominous to me and got me thinking, what if the very hungry caterpillar decided didn't decide to cocoon on that Sunday and just kept going, uh, continuing to increase a um, eating more and more each day? Um, so the first thing I want to establish is how long I was going to let my caterpillar, you know, quote unquote, run free before he started cocooning. Uh, so I took a look at some of the longer lifespan uh, caterpillars. The absolute longest lifetime I found for a caterpillar is the woolly bear. Um not the it's not called the it's not the woolly bear caterpillar it's just called a caterpillar called the woolly bear which I find kind of no, funny. It's
2: confusing. Yeah, it's very um, deceptive
0: honestly. <laughs> it remains a caterpillar for 14 years. Um but it's kind of an asterisk on there because the reason it's so long is that they live in the arctic if you can guess from the woolly name. Uh, and they only spend about one month out of 12, not just being in a frozen stasis. So that really only translates to 14 months of eating. Um, the longest lifespan I could find for a caterpillar that doesn't spend most of its time um, being frozen is the fox moth, which is, has a lifespan of about five years. Um, so what if the Very Hungry Caterpillar went on for five years, kind of in its pattern? Um, so the time span established, the question becomes, how much will it eat during that time and how much will it increase? Uh, so let's start with what it did eat in the book. Uh, on Monday it ate one apple, Tuesday it ate two pears, and then three plums, four strawberries, five oranges on Friday. And then on Saturday it ate one piece of chocolate cake, one ice cream cone, one pickle, one piece of Swiss cheese, one slice of salami, one lollipop, one piece of cherry pie, one sausage, one cupcake, and one slice of watermelon. Uh, On Sunday, it ate one leaf and then <laughs> became cuckoo. So I'm, I'm discounting Sunday. We're taking Saturday, kind of the peak of that week. And the, 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 the data point for one leaf gets taken A
2: leaf makes a difference.
0: Um, and it turns out I'm not the only one... Uh, curious of how much this caterpillar is eating because I did find a paper in the Journal of Interdisciplinary Science Topics at the University of Leicester by Louisa Perry titled Is the Very Hungry Caterpillar Unusually Hungry for a Caterpillar? <laughs> um, and it had a lot of good info including like estimates for how much it ate, the calorie count for what it ate and uh, whether how it related to its body weight, yada 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 um, and I was very happy to have a place where I could almost wholesale steal all the information, except their work I had to modify because their base assumption is that the book doesn't specify how much of each food item the caterpillar eats. So it therefore eats the whole item, which I think is ridiculous because if you read the book, very clearly there's just one hole going through each of the things. And it says it ate through one apple, it ate through two pears. I so I'm just not saying ate it ate
2: a- the whole thing, but I guess you're right.
0: And there's very clear the whole there's a, there's literally like hole punches in the book where it's like it ate this hole through. Yeah. Um and caterpillars that do grow like in fruits like that typically do not eat the whole thing either. They eat their kind of paths through it. So uh I'm of the opinion, people can differ to my, you know, can have a different opinion, but I'm of the opinion that it's just the singular hole that it eats through. So I basically took all the numbers and changed them so that Uh, It fits my idea of how the story went. Um, So putting adjusted calorie counts back onto the daily intake I came up with. So day one, eats through one apple. That's about 0.6 calories. Day two, two pears, 1.85 calories. Three plums, 2.55. Four strawberries. Strawberries are pretty much a bit smaller than the rest of those fruits. Dips down to about 1.5 calories. uh, Before ending strong with the the five oranges at three calories. And then Saturday... um, even though it's a lot of different items, they're not particularly like big or long or so. There's not actually that much volume, but some of them are pretty calorie-heavy. Like the the meats are pretty calorie-heavy. Like the salami and the sausage make up a lot of this. The cake, and pie, um, but all comes out to 20 calories. So it's like starts off at less than one, hovers around between one and three before shooting up to 20 calories on Saturday. Um, so then fit a second-order polynomial equation to that. And you get the calories it eats per day is simply equal to 1.4717 times days squared minus 7.4598 days times the days plus 8.7212. So with that, I have the power to know how many calories this caterpillar is eating at each day of its life all the way up through its five years. Um, So on Sunday, instead of eating its one dumb leaf, the caterpillar is going to eat 28 calories. At the end of week two, it's already eating 192 calories. This is an exp, you know, it's an exponential equation. Okay, it's going to keep increasing more and more as time goes on. Um, at the end of the month, we already have this ca- this caterpillar breaking a thousand calories per day, uh, and by forty days, it's at the healthy two thousand calorie diet that we all enjoy. Um, but we're not done there. After a year, one hundred and ninety three thousand calories per day. Two years, seven hundred seventy eight thousand, and on the last day of being a caterpillar, when we decide to finally go and cocoon uh we are at 4.888 million calories intake per day for the very hungry caterpillar um just to put it into perspective 4.8 million calories is equivalent of 1778 kilograms of meat um which uh, is the equivalent of the weight of two fully grown cows
2: eating um, every day every like all the organs and bones and stuff
0: yeah, I just I just got the weight of the cow. Okay. The weight of the cow is like eight nine hundred kilos. Yeah. Um, so, like, there's less meat than that on a cow. Um, so it might have to get, you know, that much meat from like four cows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, depending on how depending on its routing, its pathing through the, <laughs> through the cows. I guess if I use my same like routing math through the through, if it's just eating, through it's going to be a, a lot of cows of, then. It's going to waste a lot of cow. Uh, it's going to be like you know, doing 30 cows, but, you know, just cutting one hole through each of them. (laughs) Um, But, uh... So, that's where I kind of ended the math. The last thing I wanted to see was how big our actual caterpillar is. Um, Obviously, it's going to be much bigger than your average caterpillar. um, But the average caterpillar in real real life is actually very hungry. Um, The average species of caterpillar will eat a hundred times its body mass at each time each day so if we just take our uh two cows per day and divide that by a 100 um our caterpillar is still actually gonna be kind of cute at around 40 pounds so we have this caterpillar kind of the size of like a small dog like a me- eh, medium dog like a small medium dog sized caterpillar that's just gonna like hop up onto a cow and just like drill straight through it until uh, it has eaten uh, 1800 kilograms of meat Uh, and then it'll maybe get a stomach ache and cocoon into, I should forget how big the butterfly is, but pretty big butterfly (laughs) (laughs) and there you have it, that's what would happen if the
1: very hungry caterpillar
2: could never be full would it be able to fly? i feel like it wouldn't be able to fly
1: this is basically just like mothra right like yeah, yeah this
2: is how mothra's born
0: <laughs> um if it weighed 40 pounds it would be really tough for it to fly given that eagles are like 10 like they're like in the 10 to 12 range i think um so it's going to be well, it's going to weigh four times that and the f- like flying math is not friendly to um birds like the heavier you get the way more effort you have to put into flying it's not unreasonable.
2: My, I just picture the Caterpillar in A Bug's Life. When he gets wings. Oh. <laughs> <With> <laughs> yeah. tiny, the wings don't get any bigger. <laughs> yeah, it's just,
0: it's just a giant grub with tiny wings. Yeah, that one won't be able to fly. I don't have to even math that one for you. Uh,
1: ben, what did you, what, what did you cover? So I knew that if we're doing this, if we're talking about children's books, there is no way that we're going to do this Without getting something from Dr. Seuss in here. That would just be a travesty. The good doctor. Was he a real doctor? Uh, was he a real doctor? I don't think I'm so. I'm going to Google that while you I'm continue. actually checking. Uh, no. No. I don't <laughs> think so.
0: Uh... No, it does. I love how just like like they try to like pretend like he had some education. Like he briefly studied English literature at Oxford uh, yeah. after graduating from Dartmouth, but instead became a cartoonist.
1: Well, so also on Wikipedia, he adopted the name Doctor Seuss when he was an undergraduate. So even if that was true, it was already a lie from the beginning. So... <laughs> but in 1955,
0: Dartmouth awarded him an honorary doctorate.
1: So actually, he was well, a doctor. All right, so there you go. Fair enough. Um, anyway, Doctor Seuss. We all love Doctor Seuss. He's great. Um, but I ran into a problem, which is that a lot of the Dr. Seuss stuff doesn't really lend itself to what we're doing on our show because a lot of his books are kind of just lists of stuff. Like they're fun. They're, they're great, but like, they're just kind of a list of a bunch of weird things, which doesn't necessarily, you know, give a whole lot to go off of for an answer. Um, but I did actually find one that, that gave a pretty good, you know, scenario to work with, um, which is... Yurtle the turtle. Um, so Yurtle the turtle is the most famous story in a 1958 collection of stories by Dr. Seuss. Called appropriately, appropriately enough, Yurtle the turtle and other stories. Um,
0: <laughs> headliner.
1: It's yeah. It, well, no, I mean there's two other ones and no one really remembers them. But Yurtle the turtle is, uh, you know, kind of kind of the, the the headliner. Yeah. Um, basic idea. So there is a turtle named Yurtle. Um, who is the king of the pond that he lives in on the faraway island of Salomassand. He sits on a rock and he calls that rock his throne and he rules over the pond because he can see all of the pond when he looks down on it from on top of that rock. Um, And then he then of course has the, you know, the logical progression from there. If I am higher up, I can see more and therefore rule over more. Um, So he calls over nine turtles and has them stack up and stands on their backs um at which point he says he can see a mile which i don't know how true that is that seems a little a little ambitious for being on top of nine turtles but sure we'll go with it um very excited because then he can see like a goat and a house and stuff and that's awesome and he says he rules them too and he stays up there until noon at which point another another hurdle named mac uh who's at the bottom of the stack sighs and asks how long they have to do this because it hurts to have nine turtles on top of you and Yurtle says shut up i'm a king and also get me more turtles um, so he calls over... If you thought nine was bad. Yeah, so he calls over uh, 200 more turtles. Oh, shiz. <laughs> yeah, it's not, not necessarily... That escalated high. fast. It does. Dr. Seuss <laughs> like, oh, I only got like four pages left in this book. Gotta make it... Gotta gotta yeah. accelerate. It literally escalated fast. Um... <laughs> well, they are turtles. Well, okay, it's not that. An
2: escalated slow.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but... The progression was quick. Anyway, point being, <laughs> on top of 200 turtles, he can see 40 miles, which, once again, not going to fact check that, Dr. Seuss. Sure. I'm sure you did the math. Um, and and is even happier because now he can see everything, you know, and, you know, he is the, he is the ruler of all. Um, but then as he's so excited, he, he looks up and he sees the moon high above him and just cannot bear to have something that high above him. And calls for, and I quote, about 5,607 more turtles.
0: Um,
1: and yeah, this, this, point, this,
0: uh, this, do- this honorary doctorate that Dr. Seuss got is not helping
1: him with his math. <laughs> this was, well, this was, what was the honorary doctorate? It was like 50-something. Yeah, so he actually already had it. You're right. Mm. I don't know Dartmouth. I anyway. So 55, <laughs> yeah. um, At this point, I'm going to just read straight from the page because it's very good. Yeah. Um, as he's requesting these 5,000-plus more turtles. But as Yertle, the Turtle King, lifted his hand and started to order and give the command, that plain little turtle below in the stack, that plain little turtle whose name was just Mac, decided he'd taken enough, and he had. And that plain little lad got a little bit mad, and that plain little Mac, the plain little thing, he burped, and his burp shook the throne of the king. And yeah, the Mac at the bottom of the tower burps, and that shakes the whole tower, and Yertle falls and lands in the pond. Um and it's all a parable about like, you know, actually uh fascism. Uh Urolo Dr. Seuss represents Hitler. Uh fun. Oh good. Yeah. What a <laughs> how cheery. <laughs> yeah. Um also fun fact about it uh the fact that he burps was kind of a problem for the publisher, uh Random House. They actually had a meeting including the president of the, of the publisher because and I quote, nobody had ever burped before on the pages of a children's book so groundbreaking
0: <laughs> well, i've imagined many children have burped onto their books well, yes but
1: it had not been printed in the pages of a children's book um so from this we're going to get to our actual hypothetical here which is uh what if you ruled all that you could see i guess more specifically what if we lived in some sort of weird government system where ownership slash rule was determined by visibility um i'm going to say that sort of in the spirit of the story that ties because ties are obviously going to happen are broken by height you know, whoever's highest sea level wins, whatever. You get the idea. Um, so theoretically, what is the furthest away that you could see so if you're pr- trying to figure out, like, what your domain would be, right? Um, I took a lot of this from this great article from the Calgary Vision Center. Uh, that did a lot of the math. So thank you, Calgary Vision Center. <laughs> I spelled your name, C-E-N-T-R-E, in my notes just for you, even though it felt wrong. Um so the first like limitation, right, is is the curvature of the Earth. So if you're in like, a perfectly flat place, there's no mountains or trees or buildings or anything between you and the horizon, you can see around 4.7 kilometers, uh, which is 2.9 miles. Um, which, if you just go out in a circle all around that, that gives you a domain of around 26.4 square miles, which is pretty decent. You know, it's not bad. Um, but obviously, you don't have to stay on the ground. You can elevate yourself, much like Hurdle did. Um, The example that they give, because they are the Calgary Vision Center, is that if you go to the top of the Bow Tower in downtown Calgary, which is 236 meters or 774 feet tall, you can see around 11 times as far, uh, 54 kilometers or 33 and a half miles. Um, They helpfully point out that from the top of the tower on a clear day, you could see the town of High River, which from context I assume is a town in Canada that's roughly 54 kilometers from downtown Calgary. Um, but you know, thanks, Vision Center of Calgary. <laughs> thanks uh, for the relevant context clues to me. Yep, probably makes more sense if you live in Calgary. Um, but if you were, say, on top of the Bow Tower in downtown Calgary, that would give you a domain of 3,525 square miles, which is around two and a quarter Rhode Islands, um, which is pretty good. It's not bad. Why don't you just pick a bigger state? Uh, because that was the one where the math worked out the best. I don't know. <laughs> It was the only one that was more than two, but there weren't any where it was like exactly one. So it was like it was like that or um like one point four. I don't remember what the next one was. Like Delawares, I thought two and a quarter Rhode Islands was better. You know, sue me. Whatever, it's fine. Um, so obviously you know you can elevate if the thing you're looking at is higher up, you can see it from further. But the other factor that actually come into play is refraction. Um which is you know, refraction what's happening right is the light will effectively bend because of differences of the densities of the medium it's moving through. Um and if you have cold cool air near the surface of the Earth and warm air above it, it can actually bend around the curvature of the planet. Um and increase the distance you can see something. So uh the like calculated furthest sight line on Earth is from Mount Dankova in Kyrgyzstan to Tag in China, which is 538 kilometers or 334 miles. Um, which, it obviously doesn't actually work like this, but if you could see that in all directions, that would be a 350,000 square mile domain, um, which is pretty impressive. Um, I will also say that one is only theoretical. They haven't actually like done it. The furthest photographed sightland in the world is 443 kilometers, which is like, you know, four-fifths of that, um, which is from—oh, I didn't try to pronounce this <laughs> uh, peak de Finestre in the Spanish Pyrenees to peak Gaspard in the French Alps. I'm going to say that's, you know, close enough. Um, so there actually is, you know, photographic evidence of that one that you can see, you know beyond the the what the curvature there should allow you to um which is pretty
0: cool Do you think mufasa had to have like a follow-up with simba when he was a bit older and had done some physics of courses to be like so anyway uh yeah everything the light touches but also more accurately it's everything the light refracts sees fit to refract around <laughs> and on colder days you're actually gonna get a little bit more realm than you normally would
1: <laughs> yeah it was complicated he uh, simba didn't it didn't really click for him not gonna lie um <laughs> So well, well,
0: this is, you know, I don't know if he was old enough, but you know that was probably a planned talk that uh, never well, happened.
1: Oh yeah, okay, fair. You're right. <laughs> um, so what do we actually do with this, right? Like, what, what, uh, what's our takeaway from from these these domains and sightlines and everything? Uh, and clearly, there is a height based arms race. Uh, the sad fact of which is that uh, clubs like us will never ever have the resources to build some stupid tall tower on a mountain, um, to see everything. So. I'm going to say we're going to leave that to the billionaires and hope that we get lucky and, like, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos throw each other off the top of the Burj Khalifa while wrestling for control or something. Um, The actual answer is probably billionaires and blimps that, like, stay just below cloud level. Once again, this all sucks. So we're going to kind of not ignore that, but work around that because that's what we would have to do in the situation. So the answer is you're not going to be able to rule. So instead, let's find the loophole. Let's just not be seen. Become ungovernable. If you can't be seen... Anarchy!
0: Anarchy! If you can't be seen, you can't be ruled. It's
1: the message of the Dr. Seuss book. It is! (laughs) So my takeaway is, the best option... I tried to look into a few things. The best one is something we've actually talked about before, which is live in a cave. This is actually something that more people in the world do than you expect. I think the ones we talked about before were... um, There are roughly 30 million people in China that live in cave homes called Yadongs, up in like northern China, I think. Um, But even closer than than China, there are examples. An example that I found through Wikipedia, as they were listing the exotic places where people live in caves, It also included Mississippi, uh, where there is a family that uh, were looking to buy a home in 2003 and found an eBay offering for three acres with an empty sandstone cave, and then realized that it had 15,000 feet of naturally insulated quarry that they could live in inside. So they just built a house in a sandstone mine. Um, and they lived there. I'm assuming they probably still do. I don't know for sure, but... I mean, you don't give that up. You don't give you, that up, right? To, like, how could you go to
0: anything else? Like, if you live in the cave,
1: how can you ever be like, I'm going to give up cave life"? You have to live there forever. So it, it did mention <laughs> that... Um, so the bare walls of the cave do shed sand, um, which is not ideal. But what they've done How is – How do you ever live
0: in a cave? You have to sell it immediately. There's no piece <laughs> of stay.
1: Well, what they did <laughs> was they just put um, umbrellas over things, uh, like, for example, their kitchen. Um, I'm putting a great picture that, of course, the listeners can't see, but you guys can. Of they can this great YouTube. shot Of their, their, their kitchen where they have just a little umbrella over where they have the food prep area. Um, and also their babies in the front. There's also this great picture, um, from later in the article, uh, of them with a little pool table that also has a nice little umbrella over it. See, that looks nice, right? Like, that looks, that looks cozy. You know, that's great. Um. <laughs> the floor is covered in sand, the though. The floor is covered in sand, but you know what? They are <laughs> their own masters, and you know, you can't, you can't put a price on that. Uh, so I guess... My main takeaway here is if we lived in this weird height and vision based society, um, live in a cave and get used
2: to sand. If you in this world, if you stop seeing something, does it cease to be yours? Like if you go to sleep or something? I I decided
1: not to go too far into the mechanics of that because honestly, (laughs) it. Gets complicated. <laughs> is is there a royal object? Perm- if you look, if you blink, and then if you're eye level
0: with someone, and one, whoever blinks first immediately rules the other.
1: Yeah, I feel like there's some loophole you do with like you have, you're like you're in a blimp that has like a like a like a panoptic camera on the bottom or something. I don't know. Well, the loophole
0: is when you see someone about to be higher than you and about to observe you, you hit them with a
1: shovel, and then they stay lower than you. <laughs> Ah uh, yes, thank you, Doctor Seuss, for this valuable life lesson. <laughs> uh, anyway, Chris, what did you do?
2: So the children's yeah, book.
0: What is, what is your burp that shook the king's throne?
2: My burp is Waldo. Where's Waldo? That's the book that I chose. Or if you're from England, where's Wally? But I'm not oh, going to say that. Are you
0: going to end with living in a cave?
1: <laughs> 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 what are um, the odds?
2: Yeah. I'm not going to say "Where's Wally" because that's weird to me, and I grew up with him as Waldo, so I'm going to keep on saying "Where's Waldo." Um, but if you don't know who Waldo is, he uh, is in a book of pictures, illustrations with like a ton of people around him, and you have to find him in the crowd, and that's his thing. And he must be either like immortal or like a time traveler or something because he appears in like all these different time periods, uh, like dinosaur times, and like the ancient pyramids and stuff like that um he has seven primary books and i think there's some like spinoffs or like collections of just seven i was just gonna say it's only seven seven? as far i think seven official main books um i don't know if there might be some like i think there's like an app or something that has maybe more i don't know um (laughs) Not, not to not to even mention all the like
1: like find Frederick and locate Larry spinoffs <laughs> that people have made.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know it's pretty easy to to knock off uh, Waldo, I think. Um, but the first thing I wanted to figure out was like how many people are actually around Waldo because if he's a real person, I feel like this is like he's gonna have people around him all the time. Um, and the thing is, Waldo has kind of shrunk. On the page over the years. Um, so, like in the first book, he was 0.99 centimeters squared on the page. And then um, in the later books, he gets as small as 0.17 centimeters. Uh, this sounds
0: like somebody like trying to justify why why they couldn't find Waldo,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I'm used to Waldo being point nine seven centimeters of course, I'm not gonna find him if she's just look it's point one seven now it's ridiculous
2: I mean it's a pretty big reduction it's an eighty three percent reduction in size so um, we're we're in a Waldo recession everybody <laughs> <laughs> and then like in the first page of the first book, there are two hundred and twenty five people. And then the first page of the last book, there's 850 people. So they increase the amount of people around him drastically over the years. Um, and I kind of figured, like, this is going to be the posse that's always around him. So, like, wherever he goes, people are kind of just going to flock around him. And that's, like, his his superpower. Um, so that'll be what happens when he, like, travels around. And the locations that he goes to... Um, the first book is... is kind of weird. It like just started with like really mundane locations, like the beach or a museum or an airport. But then like the second book on, they just like immediately ramped it up. And suddenly he was like with the Vikings and dinosaurs and pyramids and the stone age. And uh, I don't know why they made it so mundane in the first one, but they did. Um, But a lot of the, the thing is a lot of these locations are actually like hostile scenes. Like it actually took me by surprise a little when I was looking at them because i never really like paid attention to it really but like waldo is often found in the middle of like a battle where like people are stabbing each other and shooting each other and stuff and it's actually surprisingly violent um (laughs) is waldo okay (laughs) where's, where's waldo and does he need a doctor well, Waldo is usually pretty fine. <laughs> like he's smiling and he's happy in, in the middle of the scene. Everyone else well, is. Just I would hope so. i be pretty pumped if I spent like three minutes looking for Waldo and he's like impaled on a pike in the yeah. left
0: part of the page. But I think there that, he is.
2: <laughs> I think that this this violent is actually like part of his superpower. Like he goes around the world and he's like the harbinger of death and like war and violence just follows him around, um, and he always ends up like unscathed. So. This is obviously a problem. He needs to be eliminated. So, uh, like, um, I wanted to figure out how difficult it would be to do this. Uh, <laughs> so, first I need to figure out how big his bubble of influence actually is. Like, how far away do we need to stay from him in order to not be influenced by the violence? Um, So, 150 people is as big as it's ever gotten in any of the books. Um, I need to find out how much like square footage that was going to be. I found a, an event capacity calculator. Um, I put in a hundred, 150 people and they said for like a trade show type of event, um, uh, you need around like 176,000 square feet. Uh, and that would work, work out to a bubble of influence that, has like a radius of around 237 square uh 237 feet um so that's how far you need to stay away from him you just need to be 237 feet away which actually isn't that far that's just over the wingspan of a boeing 747 so um i mean it's still a pretty good distance away from him you're not gonna be able to just like walk up and stab him or like assassin's creed him or something um but you will be able to just like snipe him from a distance and that should be fine I don't think you'll have a problem with that. Um, the issue is obviously finding him in the crowd. <laughs> 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 so how hard is it to find Waldo in this crowd? Um,
0: Elite U.S. Navy SEAL sniper versus a crowd. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Um, so I tried to like look up average times for like people actually finding Waldo in the books. I couldn't find it. Like I couldn't find a time. This, I was actually surprised I couldn't find anything on that. Cause it seems like someone would have looked that up at some point or done some, some sort of study. Um, but there was one guy in 2015 named Randall S. Olson. Um, he noticed that there were that of the 68 locations, um, there was kind of like a pattern to Waldo's position on the page, um, and he came up with three lessons. So first, Waldo is almost never in the top left corner of the page. Um, this is mostly because the Waldo, I think every Waldo illustration has like a postcard thing. It's supposed to be a, a postcard from Waldo from the location that he's at at that on that page. And that's always on the top left. So Waldo isn't there. Um, he's also rarely on the edges of the page just because that'd be too easy to find Waldo. Um, and then he's almost never on the bottom right page, um, bottom right of the page. And I don't really know why that is. They, uh, I well, think the
0: first two places you look, you're, you, you you would naturally start reading a book in the top left. And then you're like, well, if I'm looking for something they're hiding, they're going to put it at the end. Bottom right.
2: Yeah. Well, I think the article that I, I looked up for this, they theorize that like when you're flipping the page, that's like the first part of the page that's revealed is the bottom right. Mm-hmm. I don't know that kind of sounds made up but i don't know um but uh read this guy Randall S uh, Olsen he tried to find like the ultimate optimal path between uh each position that uh wallo has been in before so like um basically just passing through each of the positions without backtracking or having like minimal backtracking um, just to find the optimal path of searching for Waldo. And he used what's called a genetic algorithm to find the path. And he came up with an optimal path. Um, you'll, find, you'll actually find Waldo much faster than the, the normal person if you use this. So um, he starts in the lower left, then you go to the upper right, and then you go to the lower right. And that's basically it. And it's pretty simple um (laughs) (laughs) there's a more complicated version of that but like he simplified it just so it's easier because you're not going to remember the more complicated one um but he was able to find or he found that you're able to find waldo 10 seconds or in less than 10 seconds for most illustrations using this uh this uh technique um and there are a few like outliers in the illustration so like if I think there is some where Waldo's in the top left. So if you use this method, then it's going to probably take a while to find him there. But for the most part, this the system works. Um, uh, I want to do
0: like a competitive Where's Waldo party now. Like just get a couple of the same Where's Waldo's book. And then just like everyone is open at the same time. And whoever finds Waldo first on like some number of pages wins. That yeah. That would be
2: fun. <laughs> well, now you know the optimal technique bottom left yeah, I wish I top right bottom <laughs> right <laughs> um now this method isn't perfect uh because it's based on like uh the positions that he's already been in so if they're like new illustrations it's not necessarily going to help um i want to see if there's anything better so in 2018 a company called red pepper released a video of an ai finding waldo um they trained it to recognize waldo's face and then it like, looked around, and if it was more than 95% confident, then it would point him out. Um, and it was reliably able to find Waldo in less than five seconds every time. So that's pretty good, five seconds. Uh, that's still using the book, though. That's still like an illustration. This isn't real life. But I wanted to see if like we could translate in- this into real life um, using briefly, like, face recognition.
1: I had heard about this robot like prior to you doing this answer and it's a great story. And also the name of it is there's Waldo, which makes me so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
2: There's Waldo. Um, so I wanted to like, see how good face recognition actually is in real life and see if we can translate this method, uh, and find Waldo so that we can snipe him out. Um, so, uh, AI driven facial recognition is actually kind of a controversial uh, technology. It's actually banned in Portland, Oregon, and some other cities as well. Um, and I, I don't really want to get into the ethics or like the politics of it. Uh, it's a touchy subject, but I just want to focus on the technology itself. Um, there are different techniques that I don't necessarily understand the nuances of. There's like machine learning and deep learning and convolution neural networks and like support vector machines. I don't know what any of that means. Uh, They're all uh, facial recognition terms, but um, I chose a study that seemed to like match my situation. So the study is called tracking missing person in large crowd gathering in large crowd gathering using intelligent video surveillance. So, it uses live video in like an unconstrained large gathering to find one person, which is basically what we're trying to do. We're trying to find Waldo in a large crowd. Uh, and they found that large crowds pose many issues compared to just like individual or like individuals or small groups. Um, cause people are like moving around. Some people's faces are covered and like people are out of focus and stuff. Um, they're just a lot more variables in real life, but the concept is still the same as like in just a still image. And um, they, in in their study, they found that their facial recognition had an accuracy of 70 to 75%, which is pretty like there's room for improvement, but it is still pretty good. Um, And I am actually, I'm, I'm pretty confident we can find Waldo using this technology even if it's not like the first try, you, you don't have to find him in five, five seconds. You have plenty of time. You'll just use facial recognition and then you can snipe him and then you can save the world because he's a bad, a bad dude. <laughs> um, And then just as a side fun fact that really has nothing to do with anything, but I found it while I was searching for facial recognition stuff. Apparently there's a thing called bear ID where they use facial recognition to identify bears. And it's more accurate than the the crowd thing. <laughs> it's 83% accurate. So that's fun.
0: So if you say all oh, bears look the same, you're really being specious. <laughs> yeah. Clearly they're more distinct.
2: <laughs> but yeah, that's my answer. You'd be able to find Waldo using facial recognition and um, and his his reign of death that follows him.
0: Ben, do you remember, do you remember that Northeastern did a real, did, did do a real, a real life. Where's Waldo.
1: So it was part of the Husky hunt, right?
0: Yeah. So our school did, did a, um, an event that was a, I'm going to call it a scavenger hunt. It doesn't encompass the scope of what this monstrosity was. Yeah. But basically they would organize a, 48 hour um like 600 person city-wide scavenger hunt with hundreds of clues, puzzles, events and my favorite of the events um in concept anyway um was that they had one dude uh dress up as Waldo and would wander the city for the duration of the uh of the of the hunt and if you were able to tag him you would get a bunch of points for finding Waldo um, but the trick was, the, the addition twist that I love was not only did you have to find him, you had to catch him. And the person that got elected as or was chosen as Waldo each time was the usually the captain of the track team. <laughs> 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 so if you found him, you better hope that you have enough energy and that <laughs> to go and actually run this guy down. Um, but I want to share that because I, I love that story. Anyway, that does it for this bit of the episode. Uh, we're going to take a, a quick pause and jump into our would you rather question for the day. All right. This one at least is weird as heck. Um, this would you rather is brought to you by Cosmo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Thanks, Internet. Would you rather sweat maple syrup or cry strawberry jam? Sweat Maple Syrup or Cry Strawberry Jam? Uh, Chris, I'm going to start with you today.
2: Sweat Maple Syrup or Cry Strawberry Jam? Would the strawberry jam be painful? I Like, tears are I feel aren't like it would be.
0: Probably a little bit.
2: Okay. Because if it wasn't painful, then it'd be... Pretty easy for me because sweat is like everywhere, and the jam is just lo- localized to your eyes. But if it's
0: not painful, does your like baseline, like what eye moisture be red?
2: Hmm.
1: Oh, that's a really good question. And Probably. I think the answer is yes. Everything Are...
2: <laughs> would just have a red tint.
1: Are your eyes going to attract ants? <laughs>
2: Well, I, mean, I guess your sweat would too if your it was sweat maple syrup would too. So
1: it's kind of a a moot point.
2: Would you? Uh, would, sweating sweat, maple,
0: sweating, would sweating maple syrup is not
2: sweating ideal. maple syrup wouldn't, wouldn't provide the same function as sweat. You it wouldn't cool you off.
1: Uh it might a little. It would be it's really not hot maple syrup
2: evaporate. Yeah.
0: I mean you're so bad the friction is a problem
2: would you if you did either of these would you eat the byproduct no
1: (laughs) I mean I was thinking about that like alright would you just like because like you could just Carry around a pancake and like, (laughs) oh, time for my two o'clock underarm pancake? No, I'm like, like, you know, like, all right. So like, I'm, I'm a runner, and when I run, I sweat, and specifically, I sweat. Well, I sweat everywhere, but like on my like forehead, and it runs down my eyes, and it's annoying. But if I if I sweat maple syrup
2: headband,
1: I could carry a well, I just carry a couple pancakes, and as I'm running, just like. Sweep across, get the sweat out of the way, and then just, you know, keep fueling up a little bit as I'm running. Here's the thing.
0: Your body odor is going to be amazing.
1: It really is. Like,
0: I keep imagining, like, oh, it's, like, maple syrup mixed with sweat. But no, just, like, straight, it's just maple syrup. It's just maple
2: syrup. Yeah. You'd be able to sell it. <laughs> You'd have no. more syrup. Like, you wouldn't be able to sell I- the jam because you wouldn't cry as often, I think. Or you'd just be really sad if you did. Chris, I'm going to go ahead and just say that you would not be able to sell your maple syrup sweat. You wouldn't advertise that it's you're sweating it out.
1: Then you would not be able to produce enough to make it... You would
0: not be able to sell enough to make it worth it. Like, the other, the other maple syrup source is a tree. You are smaller than a tree. <laughs> Citation needed.
2: I don't know. How much do you sweat?
0: <laughs> Less
1: than a tree produces I maple
0: just, syrup, I think. I don't produce enough volume of sweat to fill a syrup bottle.
1: All right. Well, okay. Like, In Chris's defense, I will say that when I do a long run, my estimate of sweat loss is like a little under a liter.
2: Yeah. It says the maximum sweat rate of an adult can be up to two to four liters per hour. Yeah. Or 10 to 14 liters per day.
0: I don't. I'll say this. You go. You do. If it's if it's part of your choice, you do. You. I would not be selling my maple syrup sweat. I might. I.
1: Uh, the the value of a liter of maple syrup in Canadian dollars in 2019 was 11.63. Uh, I need to convert that to U.S. dollars. Hold on. That's a little under nine dollars. So it's like 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 if you push yourself to the max and you sweat out 10 liters of maple syrup it's like 90 bucks a day it's not bad
0: it's not bad i don't think you can sweat the maximum amount all day (laughs) i mean i mean you just stay hydrated yeah do you drink i mean you have to drink you have to drink more than 10 liters of water Yeah, it's doable. (laughs) It's not. It's not. Not. I'm gonna say it's not doable for me for eleven sixty
1: three. Okay. Well, I mean, okay. So if you do that every day, that would be about thirty, a little over thirty thousand dollars a year. That's not bad.
2: It's not bad.
1: Like you could, you could sweat for a living.
0: Okay, so you guys, if you, <laughs> I'm not, I don't want to live that life. Uh, also, you're gonna be like, are you, are you, are gonna to have to, ha- you're gonna have expenses like replacing all of your clothes
1: uh, as you sweat through. That's fair. <laughs> Actually, so, well, well, to ideally,
2: you collect it. You want to collect you, the maple syrup, so it wouldn't be in your clothes.
1: You'd probably want to be naked and like standing in a bucket.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah, time to go for my daily
1: 10-hour naked bathtub (laughs) treadmill
0: run (laughs) to get that cool 80 bucks I plan to make today. (laughs) 90 bucks.
2: Yeah, don't understand. God, I hope no one finds out how I make
0: this or
1: else my business will be closed. (laughs) I mean, it could be a fetish thing. Maybe he'll get more (laughs) business. He can charge more to a very select clientele. All okay. right, anyway. Um
0: <laughs> The strawberry jam crying can be. If it does
1: hurt your idea.
2: eyes, I imagine it would be like Could a you... it would make you cry more. Yeah, it's like a feedback. Have more jam. Right? Yeah.
1: Getting yourself in quite a bit quite a jam there. <laughs> Could flavor your onions you're cutting up. <laughs> hey, there
2: you go. I guess every time you get sad, you get slightly happier because you have strawberry jam.
1: I feel like you're going to yeah. It, yeah.
2: Like
0: it doesn't it doesn't hurt, but like it just like it's like it's like a pretty good like. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> it's like you're like trying to keep crying, but you're like also eating strawberry jam. <laughs>
1: like I I feel like you're gonna wind up crying more because any time that just your eyes would water, you're probably gonna start crying because your eyes were then full of jam.
2: Yeah.
0: Although every time you cry, you're going to have to very, very quickly explain to people that you're not bleeding. No, no,
1: don't out worry. Out of your eyes, horribly. It's just jam. <laughs> yeah, I don't think worry. They're
2: still it's just worried. jam. Pretty jam sure Pretty still out, worried.
1: You pull out the toast
2: you carry with you. <laughs> I was I was cursed by a very chaotic
0: neutral witch.
2: <laughs> See, that'd be a lot more painful than the pancakes.
1: It would. <laughs> Everything is coming up syrup.
0: You just, have, you just gotta have some sunglasses. You have sunglasses with a, little bu- like a, with a small like bucket underneath them to catch it. Oh, yeah, that
1: looks way more normal. <laughs> well, you
0: just have rose t- tinted glasses so no one can really see. You'd so it's have just like...
2: buckets to collect and then you'd sell it.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, you can sell your strawberry much... jam too. What's the leader of that go for in Canada?
1: How much can a person <laughs> cry <laughs> in a day? <laughs> uh, gonna... And the link to the suicide hotline is. Uh... Alright, I'm on Quora. (laughs) As many as it needs to heal, as many as it needs to let go. (laughs) Thanks. there you go. Thanks.
2: One Um, author suggests you can cry 96 tears.
1: (laughs) I had seen 96 come up on Google there. Uh, Another suggests he could drown in his own tears. I feel like these might be uh, allegorical. Um Okay, you make 5 to 10 ounces of tea today and there are three types, are any of those types strawberry jam? All three types. Um oh no, know, by, by default are the ones that humans make any of them strawberry jam and we just don't hate that one very often.
2: Does the strawberry jam have seeds?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I imagine so, right? Jam is the one that's made from whole Jam, fruit. yeah. So I think it has. Is it? To have is, seeds.
0: it it's, is it an interesting question anymore? If one of them is your eyes hurt all the time,
1: well, I mean, and the, you can't see. The other one is you're constantly slightly syrupy. So it is. <laughs>
2: so it is still a question.
1: Like I think it's still a question.
2: <laughs> Some, I mean, you might get whole. used to
0: the pain. No, absolutely not. Have you have your have your eyes ever just like itched for a day? You cannot get used to it. It's you will go yeah. absolutely wild. Have
1: mad. you have you ever felt slightly sticky for your entire life? Yeah, that's how I normally live. <laughs> Fair, all right. Plus, like you know, you
0: cannot sweat for a bit. Like if you don't do too much activity and you just have like
2: it's a lot harder um, to control though. Like with the eyes, with the crying, like. You would be able to hide it, I think, a lot easier than the sweat, at least.
0: Unless it's unless it's the baseline, unless it's the baseline eye moisture. Is, I mean, is jam.
2: Yeah, but you could still wear like sunglasses with like collection buckets, sort of, or it would just look like weird sunglasses. Oh, I'm not. I'm not. In, I'm not into
0: living with other people. I'm into. I'm into like living with myself. I haven't gotten past to that point yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but I do think it is getting time for uh, final determinations here.
2: Okay, I think I'm going to go maple syrup sweat because I like pancakes.
1: That is the worst reason to go with that, <laughs> but sure. Ben? I think I'm also going to go with maple syrup sweat, not because of the pancake thing, although it is a nice bonus, and not because of the financial opportunity because it's probably not worth it, but mostly just because I... I feel like you could actually get used to, like, I feel like you could get used to sweat maple syrup. It wouldn't be good, but you could get used to it. You would never get used to, to crying strawberry jam. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, I if, if, if we're going to stick with it's going to be painful, then I can't do the strawberry jam. I would otherwise do that one. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not too, I'm not generally too sweaty a boy, you know.
1: Yeah. Also, not for nothing, but we said five or ten ounces of tears a day, and an eighteen-ounce jar of jam is like five bucks. So, way worse value than the syrup. Just putting that out there. I'm gonna sell. I'm gonna put it out
0: there. Uh, and I thought I made this point clear earlier. That is not in my calculations. Just gonna saying, though.
2: <laughs> I mean, if you, you already it. did this, I would, I would sell it. Like, if, if you're going to the gym already, why not just? You're producing oh, no.
1: valuable. Okay, I'm just going to say, no gym would ever allow you to be a member if you sweat maple syrup.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Speaking of things that Chris is trying to sell that nobody wants, subscribe to our Patreon. (laughs) For less than a tenth of the price of a liter of Canadian maple syrup, you can become a Patreon to our podcast um one of our good absurd hypotheticals uh and get access to all our uh, bonus content that we release each month specifically for our patrons um, www.patreon.com slash absurd hypotheticals uh if you uh are too busy rubbing your strawberry jam filled eyes to to do something like that um and therefore, you've lost your job and have no money. You can also do free things like um, tell people about the podcast. Word of mouth is a great way to help grow the show. If you have a fun fact or want to use or use this uh, hypothetical, you know, this would you rather in a family setting, people are like, what are you talking about? Well, I listened to it on this podcast. It was called Absurd Hypotheticals. It was pretty cool. Check it out. You can download it anywhere podcasts are sold. Uh, so that is a nice free way to help the show grow. Um, and also, of course... Uh, leave a review. Reviews help the show. uh, Helps people find it, stick around, uh, and, you know, listen through the, click on their very first episode. Helps it show up in search algorithms, all that's good stuff. So if you enjoy the show, please, please, please leave us a review. It is super helpful, and we're super thankful, super thankful for that. Um, With all that out of the way, uh, you can join us next time uh, where we answer the following question. And by question, I mean lots of questions because we're doing a lightning round.